Welcome to a Wednesday edition of the Spielman and Hooley podcast. Ohio State, Nebraska, Browns, and Ravens, Bengals, and Steelers. Somebody in the AFC North's got to win a game pretty soon, but uh, we will start our podcast today a little bit differently, Mr. Spielman. We're bringing on, uh, I've been fortunate to work with a lot of great partners over the years, right? And the cool thing about it is I develop great uh, relationships and friendships, and I'm, uh, the best compliment I can give Tom Brenneman is not only that he's my friend, but he forces me to do my job better because he's that good. And when a man can force another man to be better at his job by how he does his job, that's such a benefit for me and our whole team benefits from it. So good morning, Tom. How are you? Well, good morning. Gosh, you wake up, you hear those kind of compliments. Man, why can't I start every day like that? Big league. Well, don't worry. I'll take those back on Saturday when I get mad at you. So, <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I expect that every week. You've been known to praise that. Rip them down, burn it down, burn it all down. <laughs> well, Tom is joining us on the uh, morning of the evening uh, of a very special night at. Uh, Great American Ballpark. The Reds tonight will take on the Milwaukee Brewers, uh, and tonight will be uh, Tom's father Marty's penultimate game. Mr. Spielman, that's your ACT word of the day. Do you know what penultimate means? Second from last. Second from last. Next to last. That's Man, right. I'm glad I learned that one. <laughs> I was wondering what the hell you were talking about. Well, uh, Tom, of course, um, and Marty, uh, this will be an awesome night, and uh, your dad is retiring uh, after 40-plus years in a business. He's the voice I grew up with. Um, and so, uh, what a special night for you guys. It was not the first time you've worked together, but I'm really glad you were able to do it here toward the, uh, toward the end of, uh, Marty's time in the booth. Yeah, I'm, I'm extremely grateful and, um, extremely blessed. First of all, just to have your dad around. I lost my mom a long, long time ago and, and all of us have been touched in some form or fashion of losing a, you know, a mom or a dad, a husband, a wife, whatever the case may be, uh, so he's healthy, he's happy, he's going out on his own terms. And, and you're right, we've done a lot of games together uh, in the past, but it's been a long time since we've done one. When the Reds gave me the opportunity to come back to Cincinnati in 2007 and move back from Arizona, the idea was to do 45 games a year with my dad on the radio. And that was the case for the first two or three years. And then everything changed when George Graham retired as a TV voice of the Reds. And the team asked me to go over and do all the TV. So there's been no radio together for, man, it's been at least uh, probably five, six, seven years. So I'm really excited about tonight. It's been a great three days for him and a great year for him. And it's, it's really exciting for our family. Well, you and I talked about this uh, TB and, and, and about uh, Marty, and it's not often where a guy gets to go out on his own terms, right? I mean, that's – in your mind, uh, how great he is, is he ready to go? Is he? Do you feel like, I've done my job, I've done it well, now it's time to go? You know, Chris, as we've talked about, I mean, I, I think he thinks he is, and I hope he's right. Uh, I think we all worry about our parents when retirement comes. It doesn't matter whether you're in uh, you know, some high-profile job and maybe known by more of the public than some others like this job, or whether you know, you've been the best electrician in uh, northern Columbus for 20 years. Um, you know, he's never been a big uh, hobbies guy. Uh, he plays golf, but, you know, not being a golfer, I guess I just can't relate to the idea of somebody saying, well, I'm going to play a lot of golf. Right. I mean, you know, golf is golf and it's great. And it's fun. And I'm sure, you know, it, it can take some time, obviously. But, you know, I, I, I try to talk him out of it. 
Um, I don't think we always have to go zero to, zero to 60 in everything we do. And in his case, what that means is, okay, he doesn't have to do 125 games. Maybe he can do 30 games. Right. And the Reds would have let him do it. And, um, you know, he's just resigned to the fact that that's not the way it's going to be. And, and I hope and pray uh, every single day that, that this is a great decision for him. He's excited about it. I guess I, it's, it's taken me a little longer to come around to be excited about it just because you worry about a parent. Yeah. Well, I was thinking uh, we can bring him on the road with us as an official consultant. Oh, my God. No. We'd be be run out of most of the towns by the time the NFL season was over and wouldn't be allowed back. No, no, that's not happening. That's definitely not happening. You know, Tom. I like uh, my job at (laughs) I uh, I got to know your dad in – the 1980s i was working at a small newspaper in troy ohio and mm-hmm. uh, we covered you know one two games a homestand and uh, when pete rose was going for the hit record uh, i traveled to chicago and st louis and you know i'm a small town small newspaper guy the national media is all over pete and and everybody's around your dad and it would have been very easy uh for him to, you know, not even pay any attention to me. The best thing I could say about Marty, I can't top all the great accolades he's gotten for his work, which are well-deserved, and and none of it totally encompasses his abilities, not just in baseball, but in basketball. A lot of people don't know mm-hmm. he called Christian Leitner's game-winning shot uh, against Kentucky uh, on right. national radio and did a phenomenal job with that. But the nicest thing I can say about your father, Tom, is while he is a big timer as a broadcaster, he's not a he's not a guy who big times you as a person. He's a he's a wonderful guy. He has remembered me ever since, and and has always you know returned uh, my calls and has always been available on the radio shows and just I just think the world of your father, and I just wanted you to know that because uh, that sentiment has been expressed by many people, and uh, and it is well deserved as well. Well, I can't thank you enough for that. I mean, at the end of the day, you know that isn't that really why we're all here. I mean, if you, if you stop and think about it, you know, I mean, it, it, I'm amazed watching it through the years because, you know, yours is one of, I don't know how many, and I don't mean to diminish yours in any form or fashion. I mean, he, the way he treats people, um, whether he is uh, at, at Kroger, whether, you know, he's at the, the gas station, it makes no difference. He, he could be in front of the King of Kings. And he's always making sure that he's ever waiting on the King of Kings, for example, is doing all right. And it's an incredible lesson that, that thank God, that my, both my sister and me, I'd like to think that we tried to learn that lesson and try to carry on that sort of thing because you're right. He, uh, he, he treats people just just so well. And, um, you know, the, the, the thing you did at the ballpark, people have asked me, oh, you know, what do you think his greatest moments are? And I always say to people, you know, that you – know, there have been a billion home runs. There'll be another billion home runs. There have been a, a billion touchdowns, you know, a, a hundred Super Bowls, however many World Series. All those are great, and you're blessed to have a chance to call those things. But people have asked me, you know, what do I think the best moment of his career? And it is undoubtedly not even close. The night he had to get his head shaved at Great American Ballpark, <laughs> And, you know, he had made a bet with one of the Reds coaches that the team wouldn't win 10 games in a row. They won 10 games in a row. So he turned it into a charity event for the Dragonfly Foundation. You know, Cincinnati is one of the, the great children's hospitals in the world here. And Dragonfly helps support Cincinnati Children's Hospital in many, many ways in the families and the children who have to go through this terrible, terrible medical situation. 
And when he shaved his head on the field, he had befriended, because he's a very active part of this Dragonfly Foundation, five of these children who didn't have any hair from their radiation and chemotherapy came running out on the field. I mean, I, I break up this even telling the story because yeah. I just happened to be there. And they, they ran up and they said, Marty, you look like us now. <laughs> and they turned that day. And it just goes to show you how, you know, some of us sometimes are quick to judge or, you know, whatever it is. And they raised that day in one, one day, half a million dollars for Dragonfly Foundation and $150,000 of that 500000 came out of Charlie Sheen, of all people, who's a huge Reds fan, watches every game in Los Angeles every night. He had flown back in for that event. And when he found out they were raising money for charity, which he didn't know, he hands him a check for one hundred and fifty grand. I mean, it was that was the most amazing night of Marty Brenneman's career. Well, Tom, um, I am, you know, you know what I think of you. I, I'm... For friends, we sacrifice, Bruce. We sacrifice a lot of things for our buddies. I am actually going to make a huge sacrifice tonight. I'm going to sit no, down. No, don't even say it. Don't. Yeah. don't wow. You know how big a sacrifice <laughs> this is. This, this is like painting, painting your neck. No. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to. He's not committed if you don't paint your neck kind of face paint. That's exactly right. But I am going to actually sit down and listen to the radio and listen to baseball tonight. And that's. Huh. I, I know. <laughs> But but you deserve it. Your your father deserves it, and I think everybody is. Uh, I'm I'm excited for your dad because I think he wants to. I think he. I like the fact that he's going out on his own terms, Tom, which a lot of us can't do. I couldn't do that that's as right. an NFL player, and he's making the rules, and so that's that's, right. that's something to be celebrated. The other thing I wanted to ask you, and I asked you about this uh, a little bit earlier. You know, I hope the people of Cincinnati and Reds fans give whoever his replacement is a fair shot because it's not fair, but I hope they give him a fair shot. And I was curious what your thoughts were on that. Oh, I think they will, Chris. I, I think, you know, like, I, I think uh, those of us here in the, the heartland of America, you know, as I like to say, the Midwest is the best place on the planet. I, I think people are, are, uh, are, are patient, they're kind, they'll give a guy a shot, an honest shot. And I have no doubt that, that Tommy Troll, who's a young guy who's had a chance to, to be with us and travel with us this entire year, primarily doing the pregame and postgame stuff. Uh, he was our double-A announcer, so he's worked his way up through our sort of minor league system, was down in Pensacola, Florida, for a number of years. You know, he's not some 25-year-old uh, fool like I was when I got a chance to do this. This guy's really, you know, paid his dues, and all that kind of thing, and so – He'll do a great job. I have no doubt. But you're right. I mean, it's not going to be easy to replace him. You know, you, you read some of the articles. I mean, geez, they had a whole section dedicated to my dad in, in the Sunday paper here in Cincinnati two days ago. And so, you know, it kind of hits you, I'm sure, for a guy like Tommy. And I talked about it with him a little bit last night. And like, holy Moses, I knew this was a big deal. But now I got to replace that. He's going to be fine. And they'll give him a shot. Tom Brenneman is our guest. And uh, you know your dad better than anybody, Tom. Uh I'm sure he won't script what he's going to say. I certainly hope he gets the chance to say one last time, and this one belongs to the Reds. Mm -hmm. Do you think he'll be emotional when he signs off? Boy, you know, he, he normally he's normally one of those guys that surprises you. So the answer to your question directly is I don't know. I know he has it in him. Which, you know, a lot of times you're asked that question about somebody, and you know immediately they have it in them or they don't have it in them. They're just some people that just don't show emotion, you know, outwardly. Um, he surprises you sometimes. 
whether it be with like with, with our kids or, or, uh, you know, his wife or whatever the case may be. So I, tonight, um, you know, we're going to have my kids come in and do an inning with him. Wow. Uh, and, and so that'll surprise him, I think. And obviously I'm telling you guys this, so I'll be later today. But anyway, it's, it, you know, I, I would like to think that, that he'll be excited about that and uh, and some other things that are going on around the, the ballpark tonight, especially tomorrow. Tomorrow being the final day, uh, you know, there's there's a lot going on before the game. We have a lot of family coming into town. Not that we have a huge family by any means, but uh, but but those that are around are coming in, and so it'll be a it'll be a fun. It'll be a fun 48 hours for sure. The, the Reds have just done this whole thing right. I mean, you know, Chris, you hit the nail on the head. You know, you go out on your terms. But, but man, to have a company, and really that's what the Reds are. They're, they're, they're no different than, you know, working for Ford or working for, you know, uh, if you're driving a bus, the bus company. Um, to have a company do what the Reds have done, you know, they're, they're on the field. Performance may not be up to what everybody around here wants. But I'll tell you, from a business side of things, and I've worked for the Chicago Cubs, the Arizona Diamondbacks, and the Cincinnati Reds, and the Reds are, without question, the best-run business operation I have ever seen. And what they, what they have done for my dad in his final year and trying to, to, to celebrate his final season with the Reds, the money they've spent, the things they've done, the events that they've created um, – it's, he is so blessed and so fortunate, and we all are to really be working for this franchise because it is top shelf and first class all the way. And also, uh, MLB, a great honor for your father. Tomorrow night, uh, they will broadcast mm-hmm. the final game on MLB wow. Network with the audio from the Reds yeah. Radio Network. Well, that's because they heard I was doing the TV and they said we got to get somebody <laughs> else to do the radio. Right. <laughs> no, I, you're right. It's, it's an incredible honor. And and I don't know if you guys had a chance to see it, but but one of the great announcers in baseball and has been for a long time is Matt Baskersian, who does Sunday Night Baseball on ESPN, and he's mm-hmm. a primary host of the MLB Network. He, he he wrote a letter to my dad yesterday, which is an audio and video presentation. It's a video you can you can dial it up on MLB Network, where he penned a letter, wrote it, and read it to my dad. Uh, and his story was a lot like you were sharing a little bit earlier on that, you know, uh, Matt Vaskersian met my dad when he was a broadcaster in West Virginia. And Matt Vaskersian was a guy who grew up in Hollywood, California. And, you know, sharing the time where he first met my dad and because of where he was living, listening to my dad every night for basically about three years when he started his minor league career as a broadcaster. I would, I would highly suggest if you have three minutes, and that's about all it is. Yeah, it's great. Uh, it, it's really, really cool. Really, really cool. I wish I would have thought of it. Well, before the uh, before we started the podcast this morning, uh, Kirk Herbstreit uh, gave us a call, and I know Herbie would extend to your father uh, yeah. his great wishes. And I always got a laugh when I was doing radio with Herbie in Columbus. <laughs> One of the beautiful things about your father, as you well know, is his uncanny ability to, in a humorous but still truthful way, twist the knife a little bit and he always oh, yeah. i always got such a kick because herbie is you know herbie's a herbie's a beautiful man he is and but he's a hardcore fan man. and your dad always referred every time he referred to kirk because he knew it would get to kirk he said kirk herb street and his ever expanding waistline <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly right <laughs> 
that's him. And that's every day, boy. You start right. going through the summertime, you start beefing up. You, you'll find out your wife won't tell you, then he'll tell you. <laughs> well, I can't wait to get him on the road because we're going to have some excellent uh, production meetings. And, yes. You know, yeah, well, yeah, he'll let everybody know exactly how they're doing. <laughs> exactly how they're doing. And, and the thing is, all these guys walk around here, oh, I've known Marty for 35 years. Yeah. I'm looking at him, I'm going, yeah, and I'm the one he told was a clown 56 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Tom, we appreciate it. I can't wait to see you in uh, New York this weekend. And uh, That's right. I can say just I, I do want to tell people how rough you do have it. You know, you live in the, the mean streets of Marymount Village and Terrace Park. Just be careful. Just be uh, careful, Doctor. Sure my, my car is in the driveway today. It's not stolen. Please forgive me. <laughs> can't hide money, baby. You can't hide it. No, stop. stop. <laughs> All right. We'll talk stop. to you. Thank Thanks, you, Tom. There, All right. there you go. Tom Brenneman joining us uh, tonight. That'll be a very special thing. It's so Me cool. And, uh, Marty tonight. Yeah, absolutely. I've been, the cool thing is, and I've been on, uh, in the room when he, he puts his dad on speaker. Oh, the two and, of those guys together. Oh, my gosh. Whoa. Then I get, I get a little riled up. You know how I get it yeah, going. Yeah. So I like to stir it a little bit. You know what I mean? So I stir the pot with those two. This you, happened. And, you and Marty would be a good tandem. <laughs> Trust me on that. I'm in the Tom role. Uh, I'm excited for for him and and Tom. It's it's so cool. And I am. I'm going to listen to it on the radio tonight. I can't believe I'm going to listen to baseball on the radio, which I used to use as a sleeping pill with Ernie Harwell in Detroit. Uh, I just want to say again, like as a young kid, yeah. you know, they always say, "Don't meet your heroes." In Marty Brenneman's case, it was awesome to meet him and to see what a great guy he was. Yeah. I mean, just what a great guy he was to everyone. It was just uh, I just can't say enough great things about Marty and nice of Tom to join us tonight. So that'll be very, very special, and I sure hope he gets the sign-off with and this one belongs to yeah. the Reds. That would be phenomenal. Congrats to you and Tom. You guys get the Giants and the Redskins, but it doesn't appear you'll get Dwayne Haskins on Sunday. No, it doesn't Jay look like that. sticking yeah. with Case Keenum. It doesn't look like I think, you know, they have a young group. The Redskins have a young group of receivers, and they're still trying to gel, and Jay doesn't think they're that far off. The problem with uh, their loss against Chicago the other night. You know, Case had five turnovers, yeah. three picks, and two fumbles. And, and two fumbles. And what that's saying is, look, I, I, I think if they lose probably this week to the Giants, then it's probably going to get to you good to see Dwayne Haskins make his NFL debut. You know, but to their credit, I think to throw him in there against Khalil Mack. With no prep to throw Haskins in there no, against those guys. I mean, no. you, you, when you put him in, you do want to give him a chance. Well, the Giants are ranked 31st in defense, so that's a pretty good chance. And the other thing is, usually the Giants did this, uh, and Pat Shermer did this. There's a philosophy out there. If you're going to start a rookie quarterback, mm -hmm. you let him get his first start on the road, mm -hmm. not at home. Yeah. Yeah. Daniel Jones, talk of the NFL, his win in Tampa with the. Uh, Scramble into the end zone, and Chris and Tom will have that. Shannon Spake on sidelines Sunday on Fox. Uh, Buckeyes, of course, will take on Nebraska. Browns will have uh, the Ravens, and the Steelers will have the uh, Bengals. Before we get to all of that, we wanted to give you our Flashes of Fun uh, picture-perfect play of the day. It happened last night in Chicago. Jose Ramirez, broken hand, back in the lineup last night for the first time in a month, comes to the plate in the first inning with the bases loaded. And how fortunate we are in Ohio to have uh, the iconic Marty Brenneman in Cincinnati and the one and only Tom Hamilton in Cleveland. 3-1 offering. A swing and a drive to deep right field. Away, back and gone. 
welcome back. A grand slam down the right field line. The little man with a big bat has come back to spark the Indians with a grand slam here in the first. And the next time he came up, he hit a three-run homer. So Good night. Pretty nice night for Jose Ramirez. Yes, I'm absolutely. speaking the lingo now. Seven ribbies. Seven ribbies. Very are they good. in it still, by the they way? They are still in it. Yes, okay. they are. That's your flashes of fun. Picture perfect play of the day for senior pictures, for pet pictures, for any kind of pictures. Flashesofun.com on the web. $50 off if you book online. And their pictures have been viewed over 2 million times and used around the world in advertising. So they know what they're doing. Flashesofun.com. Dot com. Uh, scouting report on uh, Nebraska. Any interaction with your nephew, J.D. Spielman, who's he's had great games against Ohio yeah. State in his career. He's coming off a big game last week, so you have to be aware of where J.D. is. I seven catches for 158 yards, I think, mm-hmm. last week. And so he's the kind of guy that, will, if you fall asleep on it, he catches one over the middle, he makes a guy miss, and he's usually able to finish, but I think Nebraska's athletic level has risen since it was two years ago, certainly, mm-hmm. even last year. Uh, their defense is more athletic than it's been. They have a little bit more speed on a defense. Uh, well, Ohio need to be. Well, here, here's look, Ohio, Nebraska is not good enough to overcome mm-hmm. any mental errors. They can't give Ohio State any breaks because Ohio State's really good at and exploiting they had other Ohio's, people's mistakes. They had Ohio State last year in position to beat them last year, and there were mistakes made. Yeah. An onside kick mistake. J.D. and Adrian yeah. Martinez could have hooked up on a long yeah. touchdown pass. They had a fumble down inside the 20 on a real curious play call on a bubble screen. I thought that was a dumb call. Mm-hmm. But 36-31 last year, so Ohio State has tentacles out, and I wrote about this on uh, maven.io backslash Ohio State. Anytime Ohio State goes on the road now, everybody's always looking for, oh, is this going to be Purdue? Is this yeah. going to be Iowa? Well, sure. I don't know how many times you have to like win a road game, like 51-10 to 10 at Indiana, for that not to be a well, thing. I just think it feels like this could be a Purdue or an Iowa because Ohio State is certainly aware that when they do go on the road against a Big Ten rival, that that's a Big Ten's – that's that team's – Game of the year. That's what it is. And the fans, everybody's engaged. Game day is going to be there. We were talking to Kirk uh, earlier on the phone. And and, and it's such a a special place. That place will be rocking. It's going to be a a great night and a great atmosphere for that game. But the difference is, talk about how Nebraska is a better team than it was last year. At least in my opinion, they are. Um. Ohio State's a better team than yes, they, they were are. last year. Yes, they are. Uh, and, and right now, uh, a much better team, especially <laughs> on the defensive side of the ball where we've seen the improvements. There's there's no big plays being given up to average teams, to mediocre teams. So, But it's going to be a great game. And as I said, if you're an Ohio State fan, um, one of the great fortunes of my job over the years in being able to call games is – Different, uh, visiting different venues around the country, and Nebraska is certainly one that is worth the trip. All right, this is episode 21 of the Spielman and Hooley podcast, available everywhere, and you can always uh, find us on iTunes or any place else you want to find us. Uh, you can review the podcast on iTunes, and we appreciate your reviews very, very much. You can go to pleasereviewmypodcast.com and search for uh, Spielman and Hooley, and you'll be able to review it. Our 
Uh, review of the day comes from T. Simone. He says, kudos, guys. I love listening on the radio, but this format has the potential to be even better. No breaks every 10 minutes. Crisp and succinct points. Faith-based segment. This is much better than typical morning drive stuff. Keep up the great work. Thanks That's for cool. the uh, great uh, review. We appreciate it very much. And uh, we do want you to review it because it does help us know what you like and how we can do our jobs better. And it also, no lie, helps us with advertisers. Well, so please uh, yeah. go to pleasereviewmypodcast.com, search Spielman and Hooley. Well, the other thing I want to get into today, and hopefully we'll have time because I teased it last night. Well, we're teasing. We're going right there. That's where we're okay. going right now. All right, good. That's why I said this is episode 21. <laughs> yes. On episode 20 on Monday, we were discussing, as we do every Monday, the weekend. And mm-hmm. that included the Browns and the Rams. It included the Buckeyes and their easy victory over Miami of Ohio, but not much compelling there. And because, as Ohio State fans and observers, our eyes are never far from Michigan, we got into what happened in Madison, Wisconsin, where Michigan was not competitive, was down 35 to nothing. And you and I were very frank, but your words resonate in the state of Michigan because you're two-time All-American at Ohio State, because you played for many years for the Lions and a four-time Pro Bowler. And so last night, Angelique Shengalis, who was a guest of ours prior to the Wisconsin game, wrote a short story on the Detroit News website, quoting you from our podcast. And you texted me and said, my Twitter is blowing up. Well, I mean, I obviously there must be a slow news day or there's nothing to cover in Michigan. If no, it's because your comments are A, on target, and B, irrelevant. Well, here's the thing. I'm paid to observe what I see and what I evaluate. And so what I evaluated was Michigan was that it does not look like a Michigan team to me for the reasons that I've stated. They look discombobulated. There's no sense of urgency. They remind me of Mac-level football teams right now. Those are true. Regardless of whether you want to believe it or not, see, my thing is this, Bruce. I have such great respect for Michigan. They deserve the truth. As I see it. Now, I, I think it can be backed up by film study. Now, I don't want anybody to get fired or lose their job. You know, I've stated that so many times, and I want all kids to play well. I want everybody to do well, but that's just not the case right now. So they have one chance to turn it around. And it's a well-known fact that I was going to go to Michigan. And everybody Mm -hmm. knows I didn't go to Michigan because my dad put the kibosh on me going to Michigan, which is true. But there's why did I want to go to Michigan? We've never told a story on why I wanted to go to Michigan. Tell the people. And here's why I wanted to go to Michigan. Because Michigan football has represented greatness for a long time. They've had great players. They have great tradition. Bo Schembechler was from Barberton, Ohio. I loved Bo Schembechler. I went up to Michigan, and I loved everything about Michigan, just like I loved everything about Ohio State. And I wanted to go there because I wanted to be maybe the Bo Schembechler because he sold me like Charles Woodson was sold or like Elvis Gerbach or Desmond Howard or Rob Lytle or a host of others mm-hmm. that played in Michigan. Be that kid from Ohio that's that breaks away from Ohio State and comes to Michigan and go back and beat your team. I bought into all that. Mm-hmm. Now, my father said, wait a second, think about this. And I did. And thank gosh I'm a Buckeye, and I'm glad I went to Ohio State. But my life wouldn't be any worse if I had a degree 
from the University of Michigan. So I have great respect for Michigan. I have great respect for that tradition. And so I wrote last night on Twitter that the standards of Michigan football must never be lowered. If they are lowered, then you then you start accepting mediocrity. And I don't think it's okay to be at a place like Michigan to accept mediocrity. If you're at Northwestern and you're eight and four or seven and five, that's the standard that Northwestern has. That's just the way it is. At Michigan, that should not be the case ever. And I got news for you. When you go and coach at Michigan, when you go and coach at Ohio State or Alabama or Oklahoma or Texas, you know the rules. Yeah. You know what is expected. Ask Ryan Day what's expected of him. He knows. Is it to, is it to get to a bowl game? And, and no, it's to win the Big Ten second, but we'll compete for a national championship That's right. first. That's the standard. As players, you don't go to Michigan or Ohio State not to win, not to compete for championships, not to compete for national championships. You know the rules going in. So, such such uh, passion that I have for college football and the traditions of it Mm -hmm. I wrote this as a player and I'm going to read this and I'm just going to substitute some words when I was a player I wrote a letter to myself I don't know if people do that anymore this is the only time in my life I did it but I wrote this to myself and it's titled what am I and I'm going to substitute some words so I want if they're interested they probably don't care what I have to say or it's not interesting but if I were Jim Harbaugh I'd walk into the locker room today. We're having a team meeting. Everybody gather wrong. And I would pull this out, and I'd say, what am I? I am Michigan football. And I say that with all the pride and honor deserving that title. I will always give 100% to my team for the good of my team. I will never again be timid in the face of adversity for the welfare of my team. My personal success is secondary to team success, for I am part of a group working as one out of respect for my team. My standards as Michigan football must never be lowered for the benefit of my team. No matter the outcome, I will never quit. I will never stop. I will never surrender. This I owe my team. In the end, my team's glory will be my glory. I'm a Michigan football player. I'm a Michigan football coach. I'm a Michigan football fan. Now, if that standard is not what you want, then that's your choice. Yeah. I'm telling you what I think of Michigan football and what it should be. And when I see them with not competing against Wisconsin, they have not met the standard that I have for Michigan football. So that's my my addressing the topic from last night, and that's what I'm talking about standards. And either you have them, or you don't. And by the way, I didn't set the standard for Michigan football. Michigan football set the standard for Michigan football. Yeah. You know, it's so interesting to me, as I'm sitting here next to you, unless people watch this on our YouTube channel, Spielman and Hooley on YouTube, there's a, a kinship a, that comes through. You didn't play at Michigan, but I can see your passion as a player, as somebody right. that it, the game meant so much to you to uphold the standard of doing it the right way, whether it's for the Buckeyes, whether right. it's for Michigan, Alabama, wherever. That really comes through, and I gotta believe 
Harbaugh feels that. I mean, sure you're in, you're in Harbaugh's careers. I mean, same kind of guy, I would yeah. say. Dads are coaches and all this stuff. Competitive, ultra competitive guys. Successful in college, successful in the NFL. So I'm baffled. Um, his team's response at Wisconsin. Uh, I don't. I'm not as baffled by his response. I thought he. You know, what's he gonna say? We got out coached. We got out schemed. We got. That's true. It's they truth. did. And I don't know that it serves his purpose to light him up publicly. No, it does in the no building purpose. he might be. I just, you know, for you, could you shed some light on? You've been around a ton of teams where right. uh, there needs to be a cultural shift, a, a mindset shift. A you think you're going hard, but you're not really going hard. You think you're tough, but you're not really tough enough. Ryan Day talks about toughness all the time mm-hmm. at a place like Ohio State. What insight can you give to how you make that? extra step you think you're in fifth gear but you're not you're in fourth so they just like stella they got to get their groove back they have no groove they have no confidence they're they have playing. Rutgers, so that helps well this week i mean they had army that was yeah. supposed to help that was they had middle tennessee right. state yeah. that was supposed to help there's no confidence in this football team when we played michigan we always played a confident team we always played guys that didn't block to the whistle. They blocked through the whistle. And I loved every minute of it. They played guys like when you when when uh try to tackle Leroy Horde one time and he knocks your chin pads out. That's what I'm talking about. There's there's a a a certain energy, there's a certain intensity that needs to be brought to the table. I don't think they have enough Great players. That's Agreed. been well documented. They don't have the stud quarterback. They don't have the stud running back. They're good college football players. Are they great? No. I don't think anybody can make an argument that they're great players. And that has to be the standard that we need to recruit great players. But beyond that, I'm talking about small little things like blocking through the whistle. Through it. Running out on the field like uh, Jake Long was talking yeah, about, that their attitude, yeah. even when they go out on offense, is yeah. not what it needs to be. No, and it's, just, it's a lack of confidence. I think it's a lack of belief in what they're doing. I think they're searching for an identity, and they don't have it right now. And that's Jim's job and the coaching staff's job to establish that. They get paid a lot of money to hold up the standard. That's their job, and they have a problem, and they have to figure it out. So whatever it takes to get your guys to understand what you're doing on the defensive side of the ball to eliminate the mental mistakes, whatever it takes to get your guys to run out on the field, and when you're blocking somebody, make that conscious choice and that conscious decision that whoever I'm blocking on this play and this assignment, I promise you with everything I have that he will not make the tackle. You make that conscious decision that if I'm a running back, like Mike Hart or like Leroy Horde or like Rob Lytle or like Lawrence Ricks or like Chris Perry, the first guy's not bringing me down. Yeah. It ain't happening. Not on my watch because I'm a Michigan guy. Yeah. That's what they have to – that's – that's you know, I don't know if that makes sense to anybody. It, it makes sense. It's it, it has to come from within, and uh, coaches can help you get that, and I think coaches have to set that tone and coaches have to make that demand. Um but, boy, it's hard, and it's a job everybody's trying hard. to do. Scott Frost is trying to do it at Nebraska. All these programs, and, and Ohio State fans need to understand how fortunate uh, we are that Ohio State is, to my knowledge, the only program, the only program uh, 
that has never gone through this prolonged right. period in the desert. USC did. Alabama, Alabama did. did. Oklahoma did. Texas did. Michigan has with Rich Rod and all this. And we're not, I mean, it's got a lot worse than it is now, and it's bad now in right. Michigan. But Ohio State has never done that. So when I was talking to Ryan Day, because they're playing Nebraska and he's going up against Scott Frost, I was chatting with Ryan on Tuesday, and I asked him as a coach the challenge of uh, getting the most out of your team. Is it more difficult when you have, like I perceive Nebraska to have, six and six talent to get them to play like a nine-win team or like Ohio State where you can fall out of bed and win 10 games? Is it harder to try to get that team to win 12 games? How are the coaching challenges different to get a team with six-win talent to to win nine or a team with 10-win talent to win 12? Yeah, I think that's an interesting question. Um, I don't know if I have a great answer to that, but um, certainly, you know, leadership is is huge. And so, you know, talent can take you so far, but leadership is what's really important. And then we have to do a great job with our toughness and our effort. You know, those, those are really important. So, you know, if someone can tell you that they out-toughed you or out-played you or out-effort, you know, gave better effort than you did, then... And that's not good. You know, if you can, at the end of the day, you can say, I played tougher, I played smarter, played harder than the other team, and then we were more prepared, emotionally, spiritually, physically ready to go. I think, you know, you're going to give yourself a chance to get, you know, from whether, again, like if it's 6 to 8 or 10 to 12 or whatever it is, you got to take care of those type of things. I just wonder if it's a harder sell to get guys to believe they can be three games better from 500 or to get a team to believe when it's winning 76 to 5 no there are things wrong here you know yeah i don't know if i have a great answer for that either but uh <laughs> but that's that's the art of coaching you know 18 19 20 year old kids yeah. and you just keep going at it every day and, and you make the best decisions you can you you try to motivate the staff to a certain message each week and you just keep hammering away at it and and you teach them i think it's much more difficult to coach a team from six wins to ten wins. And the only reason I say that is because I think it's a lot easier to get those two extra wins because talent ultimately will win out in the end. And his big concern is he talks about toughness. I believe he's um, referring to mental toughness. If we're down in the fourth quarter, how are we going to respond? Who's going to make a play? Are we going to stick together? Are we going to believe in the system? See, that, I, I, I also think that that's something that Michigan's lacking right now also is a little bit of mental toughness because when Wisconsin jumped out on them and jumped out on them early, I saw there were heads down. When they like, fumbled we have inside no the shot. five, yeah. they were done. They were done. We have no shot of coming back from this. And I, I think if that happens to Ohio State, Ohio State's like, okay, uh, offense let us down, defense go out there, hold them, we'll get the ball back at midfield, yeah. we'll drive down, we'll tie the game. Yeah, well, because they've done it so many yeah. times. Yeah. They've done it so many times, and that's the norm. That's the norm. You just see this throughout Ohio State where uh, guys come in off the bench, and it's it's a competition mindset. Uh, I'm getting my one rep. i got to take it all the way. Well, uh, Austin Mack was <laughs> talking the other day. It's Jamison Williams. He, kept t- he tells everybody in the wide receiver room, imagine freshman, I get a catch, I'm taking it to the house. I get a catch, I'm taking it to the house. He got a catch. He took it to the house because he knows it's his only opportunity. The great talent feeds that inner competition. I think that's the edge that Ryan Day has over Jim Harbaugh right now is because if Ohio State guys don't block through the whistle, if J.K. Dobbins doesn't break the first tackle and make a guy miss, 
he's got either McCall or Master T coming in to take him out if he's not holding on to the football. If you get a wide-open ball and you drop that ball in the end zone, there's seven other wide receivers ready and willing to make that catch. So the biggest motivator in a college football locker room is playing time. Yeah. And I don't know if they have enough guys at Michigan that are pushing the guys that they have. Oh, and you see it with Olave on special teams and any opportunity you get to play. It's you're willing to take man. advantage of that opportunity to keep your name top of mind with the coaches, and, and that's what you get is games yeah. like Ohio State played Saturday. And people may have knocked Urban a little bit because everything's a competition, but look what it's created. Yeah. Look what it's created. It's like a, a team that, you know, the, the, the reps are so precious. And I prepared my whole life for this moment in time. I'm not going to blow my opportunity. And that's because of the culture that was created by Urban Meyer about everything is a competition. Some guys believe in it, some don't. There's all kinds of ways to do, do things. But this is what Urban Meyer's culture, as you talked about, mm -hmm. created. Ultimate competition brings out the ultimate best in the ultimate competitors. Uh, we want to thank West Jefferson Plumbing and Heating for sponsoring this edition of the Spielman and Hooley podcast. West Jefferson Plumbing and Heating can, of course, take care of all your plumbing needs and all your so your heating and cooling needs uh, with outstanding uh, high-efficiency Lennox products. Uh, they'll give you $500 off a new furnace if you need one for new construction or for a replacement furnace. And plumbers, hard to find one to come out and give you an estimate. West Jefferson Plumbing and Heating, very easy to deal with. And the best thing that I love about them is when they say they'll be there at 10, they're there at 10. You don't have to sit around and wait all day. You don't have to wonder where they are. They're very reliable. Servicing all of Central Ohio, westjeffplumbingandheating.com is the website. 879-9606 with a 614 area code. 614-879-9606, West Jefferson Plumbing and Heating. All right, we always end every podcast with uh, something from uh, our lives, faith, family, um, anything you have uh, on your agenda today, anything you're reading, anything you're studying, anything you'd like to share in that regard. I do. Give me one second. Why okay. don't you, uh, what do they call that in the business world, Bruce? Stall. Uh, Friday's edition of the Spielman and Hooley podcast. Uh, some very interesting comments from Justin Fields <laughs> Keep going. at OSU on Tuesday. Uh, he was just asked kind of a, you know, get to know you question about how he likes the city of Columbus. And Justin opened up a window on what life is like for an elite college football player. And this was not a gotcha question. And I don't really think Justin's answer is a, a gotcha answer. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, some uh, gotcha websites go out there and use this as a reason to bang on Ohio State because, oh, look at this kid, this is his life. It's just, to me, it was enlightening for, for me, and I'm around the sport, I'm around the school, I was struck by his answer in terms of the amount of commitment that it takes, the time management skills that it must take in order to play at the level that he plays and still satisfy the requirements of a typical college student. These guys do have to take classes. They do have to stay eligible. And so we'll have that uh, for you. And also, you might wonder, how does, uh, we were talking about competition, uh, Brian Hartline, the Ohio State wide receivers coach, some interesting comments about his wide receiver room. Uh, Saturday, Garrett Wilson made a great catch. Jamison yeah. Williams took one to the house. But Austin Mack, K.J. Hill, Chris Olave, Ben Victor, they all want catches too. Uh, same situation last year when they had Johnny Dixon, Paris Campbell, and uh, Terry McLaurin. And so Brian Hartline, who's doing a great job with the receivers, will have comments from Brian on how he manages that room. All right. So today, I always like to leave 
on a positive. And everything that Bruce and I share, at least I, I'm not going to speak for Bruce, but from my perspective is I try to share with you things that I'm either challenged with or things where that I found motivation or I get to hit the spiritual reset button. And I want everybody to leave this podcast being encouraged. And this is way beyond sports. Now I'm, I'm talking about real life stuff. And so whatever challenges any of us are facing out there and anybody that's listening to this, whether it's challenges in, in relationships, workplace, health challenges, I want you to approach it like this and think that you have a God that loves you very much. But God just doesn't leave us out there to fend for ourselves. You have to remind yourself this. And it's from uh, 2 Timothy 1.7. And I read this, and I thought, why don't I tap into this more often? I'm an idiot. I need to tap into it. And it's this. You have to remember, when you're facing these challenges, that God has not given you a spirit of fear. He does not want you to be afraid. But he has given you a spirit of power, of love, and of sound mind. So whatever that does for you, what it does for me is it allows me to go take on my day with confidence and without fear, but of power and a sound mind and, of course, love. Uh, are, you ready? are you ready for a little uh, spiritual goosebump? That was in my journal this morning, and I have a long journal that I write, you know, thoughts that come to me and... Uh, hopefully enlightening things that come to me as I study the word, that was the verse I focused on. Yeah. And in my uh, translation, uh, the NIV, it's a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. Yeah. And I wrote in my journal, I thought, what a, I said, I, I, I wrote, what an interesting pairing of three traits. You know, you would, I expected power, love, and what? Peace, uh, tranquility, yeah. but self-discipline. And I looked at that word, self-discipline. And I thought, well, uh, you can't be a disciple without discipline. It's the same root word. And uh, we're saved by grace, but once we're saved by grace, by what Jesus did for us at the cross, uh, your behavior then authenticates your faith, the change in you, yeah. uh, that you gain an appreciation for what you've been spared of. And then that's when your self-discipline comes in. Now, the the miracle of salvation is that once you're saved, you're then given um, kind of a spiritual cheat code. Like you're given the Holy Spirit of God inside you to empower you, to enable you. That's self-discipline, that sound mind Chris talked about. And that's how you do it. You can't do it in your own strength. You can't. But you can do it with that sound mind, with that self-discipline, with that power, that very power of God, that very power that raised Jesus from the dead is the power you have inside you. No fear. That That's a spiritual cheat code. And like you said, why don't we access that more we often, realize who we are and what we have inside us? There you go. So that's the Can't encouragement that. we'd like to leave with you today. Uh, we're looking forward to Friday's edition of the podcast. Thanks to Tom Brenneman for joining us. Uh, go to flashesofun.com and West Jeff Plumbing and Heating, and we will talk to you again on Friday.